It's good to be here, and I mean good to be here. You guys can open up your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, ushers are walking uh, through the aisles, just put up your hand and we'd be happy to get you a copy of God's Word. And if you don't own a Bible, just keep the one that we're giving you. It's important that everyone has a copy of God's Word in front of uh, them today. Um, It's also important that you have a Bible at home, so if you do not have one, please keep it. It would be our joy. Today we are continuing our series. By the way, if you don't know me, my name's Jamie Newman. I think I've probably met all of you by now, uh, unless you're visiting, but my name's Jamie. I'm the Director of Youth and Young Adults here at Redemption Church. And we are continuing our series, Gospel Impact, um, through uh, cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. And today we're looking at goodness. So let me open by reading Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And give us our context for today. Galatians 5, starting in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, um, I've got a confession to make. And uh, this particular confession is directed toward the youth leaders in our church. Although I thought it'd be appropriate to give this confession to everybody given the topic uh, of today. I didn't know. Uh, I I thought I knew, but as I was studying uh, goodness this week, I realized how wrong I was. Uh, You see, there was one particular youth night last year and uh, before each youth night, we, all the leaders gather and we pray before the service. And um, as the leaders were walking in, I asked everybody, how are you doing? And one by one, almost everybody said, I'm good. And I ridiculed you. <laughs> I think I accused you of not being honest with me. I even went as far as to suggest that maybe we shouldn't use the response, I'm good, And I won't get you to show your hands how many times you have said it this morning when someone asked how you were doing. Um, But I was was wrong, and I I didn't know. I I didn't know how theologically deep and profound our youth leaders were that night. So I hope you accept my apology. Of course, I'm being tongue-in-cheek with this. Uh, because for many of us, the the word good is kind of like, I don't know, bland. It's often boring or uh, maybe even as a response, it's kind of dismissive, but good is just like average. And not only that, good is is quite subjective in our culture, isn't it? Like what's a good restaurant? Well, it depends who you ask, but it also depends on what you mean when you ask what is a good restaurant or what does it mean to be a good friend? Depends who you ask. How about this one? What does it mean to be a good citizen? Depends who you ask. Are you asking the government or are you asking that guy down the street that you kind of know what he's going to say? Or how about this? What does it mean to be a good person? It depends who you ask. See, the problem we have here is that the bar for goodness is, is actually too often too low and too variable. When in reality, goodness here in Galatians 5, in the description of the fruit of the Spirit, rather than being a word that, that we are to like skim over as like, okay, yeah, goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually a word here, goodness ought to stop us in our tracks. 
Because goodness is not mundane. It is not average. Goodness, as we're going to see today, is rich, and it's vibrant, and it's honest, and it's eye-opening, and it's convicting. And so if you can't tell, I'm excited to talk about goodness today. I also have to make another confession, though. A week ago, I was not excited to talk about goodness. Uh, Because as it turns out, goodness is actually really hard to define. And that's because in one sense, when we read goodness, we kind of just think of it as being synonymous with kindness, don't we? Like, goodness is, you know, doing good things for other people. Like, being kind. And, and in one sense, that, that's true. And in fact, there's areas where, where Greek words can be translated as goodness or kindness and both have the same meaning and be accurate. So at first, I thought about just grabbing Pastor Ian's sermon from last week, doing a little find and replace, swapping out kindness with goodness, and then I'd know I'd be faithful to the text. Um, but Paul doesn't stutter here in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, kindness. There's two different words here in Galatians 5.22. And that tells us that goodness can't mean kindness here. The other problem I ran into is that you can rightly define goodness as God-likeness or godliness. After all, God is good. And so we, when, when we consider the goodness of God, we are considering his glory and his holiness and, and his righteousness and, and all that is true. But goodness here can't mean godliness. Because godliness and holiness are are the culmination of each of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. When you put them all together, you get godliness. So what does Paul mean here? And I've looked at a ton of different definitions. I'm going to simplify it into one specific definition uh, that we're going to use throughout today. And this is it. Goodness is the expression of things that are good and right and true. I'll say that again. Goodness is the expression of things that are good and right and true. It is to display and promote all that is good and right and true. Goodness is to think, it is to speak, it is to act in a way that is proper, uh, that is appropriate, that fits the occasion. It's to act with the right attitude and the right heart. It's to look not only to the interests of others, but to their benefit, to build them up. It's a desire to bless somebody, to help them be more like God, and then do what it takes to help them get there. And and like last week, I don't think it's an accident that goodness follows kindness here. Because what goodness does when we study it is it actually roots us to a standard of right and wrong. Good versus evil. And so some define goodness as moral excellence or uprightness of heart and light. And that just begs the question that we're going to start off today with, by what standard? It's an important question today, because if we're to, to cultivate goodness in our lives, well, what is, not only what does it mean to be good, but by what standard? Where do we find the standard of what is good and not good? And what are the implications of that standard? And so for our time today, this afternoon, we're going to dive into a variety of different passages of Scripture. We're going to see three actions that we must take in order to cultivate goodness in our lives. And it starts with the standard. The first action is this, look to the Lord as the standard of goodness. Look to the Lord as the standard of goodness. 
In Mark 10, we get a familiar story of where a rich young ruler uh, comes up to Jesus and he asks him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And Jesus here, he isn't denying his deity. He isn't questioning the truth of what the rich man said, but rather what he's doing is he's causing this man to reflect on what he said. It's like Jesus saying like, hold on a second because you're onto something. Okay, you're, you're asking about eternal life and you've just called me good. Do you understand what you're saying? Because only God is good. And if you have a right understanding that only God is good, then that's the truth and that's the standard that will lead to the eternal life you're seeking. And so for us today, right now, looking at the fruit of the Spirit, cultivating goodness in our lives, we know that cultivating the fruit of the Spirit is evidence that we have been born again to eternal, to inherit eternal life. And so this truth, this standard matters a lot. And so we're directed to consider the standard of goodness, which is found in and defined by God himself and his word. So, God is good. Good place to start. Good place to start. And God is good. Now, what I don't mean by that is I don't mean that goodness is applied to God. So it's not something that's added to him. When I say God is good, I'm saying God is good. Goodness is inherent to God. It is essential to God. It is the essence of God. God is good. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. He is only and completely good and everything he does is good. Psalm 119, 68. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. And we see this in the beginning with creation, don't we? What God creates is right and orderly and an expression and reflection of his character. And so he rightly calls his creation good. And then after creating man and woman, looking at the whole thing, he calls it very good. The apologist Francis Schaeffer, he writes that when God calls his creation very good, and this is in Genesis 1.31, he's essentially that saying that every step and every sphere of creation and the whole thing put together, man himself and his total environment, the heavens and the earth conforms to myself. That's what God is saying when he says it's very good. And God's goodness doesn't just stop at creation because God is actively governing and sustaining and providing for the whole world from being sovereign over all the nations of the world to feeding the sparrows and clothing the fields. He's over all of it and he is good over all of it. God's plans are good. God's works are good. God's word is good. And God's law is good. Psalm 119 verse 39 says, your rules are good. His, his rules are good because they reveal his goodness. They, they point out and they define what is good and right and true. It's a, so do this, think like this, act this way, acknowledge this because this right here, this is good. So Romans 7, 12 says, so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. And we're not stopping. 
Stop, we're stopping, we're not stopping. And everything that is good is from him. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything from God, everything about God, everything about God, everything about God is good. And nothing can change that. Not even evil, not even sin, because when, when sin enters the world, God's, God's goodness is actually revealed further and it's actually magnified because we can see God's justice and his justice is good and, and his mercy is good and his grace is good and his compassion is good and his long suffering is good and his judgments are good and his discipline is good and his patience is good. And, and in the response to sin, we see all of this goodness most notably in the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who Acts 10.38 says, went about doing good. Jesus Christ, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He obeyed, he submitted, he served, he fulfilled the good law, and he died on the cross to save sinners. That's good news. And so we join the psalmist, don't we, in Psalm 107, verses 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. God is good. And because we've, in light of like everything that we've looked at so far, this is where we get the saying, God is good. And all the time. Yeah, I was wondering if you guys would nail that. And you did such a good job. However, I also recognize that today you might be sitting here. There might be someone here, probably is someone here, who's asking the question, or maybe just having trouble rejoicing in the goodness of God today. I mean, you might be sitting here thinking, but like what I'm going through right now, I'm having a hard time. I'm just not so sure of God's goodness right now. And, and if I'm being honest with you, uh, this study of goodness came at like such a really good time for me. Um, some of you already know this, but the past couple of weeks have been like really hard. Um, so my wife, Christina, has been in Calgary for the past 10 days um, with her mom who's been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And as most of you know, we just moved from Calgary in November. Um, and so Christina's brother lives out there, but as you can imagine, just the timing of this, there's an extra weight and, and concern. So she's out there right now. There's a lot of things to just consider in this situation. Like, cancer is not good. Suffering is not good. It hurts. The effects of sin in this world are not good. Death is not good. And, and for me, I've been trying to like manage the, the kids uh, for 10 days now. Uh, we have four of them, if you didn't know. Um, and at the same time, preparing this message and then add into that like the burden of desiring and not being really sure with logistics how to show love and support to my mother-in-law. And so there's just like so many different emotions, so many different distractions. And even though some of them are small, they just, they pile up and, and, and that challenge just tends to, to build up. And yet I have to tell you, none of that compromises God's goodness. Like, like none of it. Not even the, the, the prospect of death compromises it. Jesus conquered death. 
Not even suffering, because God's goodness is that much more magnified in suffering. And I've actually seen it in the last like 10 days. Like I ain't seen them in my life. I've seen God's goodness through my parents' massive support over the last 10 days. I've seen goodness through just God's timing that our boys had summer camp last week. I've seen it through the Calgary Redemption Church providing food and prayer to my, uh, my wife and my mother-in-law. I, I see it through the encouragement and prayers I've received from some of you who already know what's, what's going on. I've even seen it in the last like 48 hours when I felt like sleep deprived and distracted and like all over the place and just God reminding me over and over again to depend on his goodness. It is, it is good to depend on his goodness. And, and so in spite of all these circumstances, God's goodness has only just been magnified during this time of difficulty. And, and I share that with you because if any of you are facing a difficult time right now, I, I want to remind you today, and God's word is going to remind you today, Psalm 145.9, the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. And, and there's an invitation to, to you. But, Open your eyes right now today to see the goodness of God. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. If you are going through a hard time, you will be blessed if you take refuge in him. And if you are a child of God this morning, what an incredible promise that many of you probably have already thought about today. Romans 8, 28. For those who love God... All things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And guess what? His purpose is good. His purpose is to conform you into the image of his son, into the exact imprint of God's nature, into goodness. All things work for good. That means even cancer, even difficulty with the kids, even hardship at work or school or home or church, even loneliness, even financial struggles, even you name it, because God is good and always good and only good. He is the source of goodness. He is the definition of goodness. Everything about God and what he does is good and right and true. And so let's just be clear for a second then. Calling a Starbucks coffee good and calling God good are totally different things, okay? In fact, as a slight coffee snob, you never should have been calling Starbucks good in the first place. It's okay. <laughs> but the point is, the Lord here is the standard of goodness, the standard of goodness that Jesus directs this rich young ruler to, and he's the standard of goodness of the aspect of the fruit of the spirit that we're called to cultivate. It's important for us to start here. And so how ought we to respond when we look to the Lord as the standard of goodness? And I, I really think the first place that we ought to start is just acknowledging it. And, and we can do that literally right now. You can take a moment and just like consider the truths that have already been looked at uh, through scripture, but also through all four songs that we already sung, which were just so much goodness in there. And, and consider that every good gift is from him. Like take a breath and acknowledge the goodness of God. And, and you can even say out loud, this is, you can do this in church, you can say, God is good. You can say that right now, God is good. 
in your heart, thank him for his goodness and his mercies and his love and his peace and his patience and his kindness. And, and don't do that just right now. I appreciate you guys doing that right now. Do that tonight and, and t- tomorrow morning. Do that on an ongoing basis. Like, how might our lives be further impacted if we more frequently acknowledge the goodness of God in our lives? That's the first response. The second response is go to his word. We learn about the standard of goodness from God's word. And so in order to cultivate goodness in our lives, we must know what the standard of goodness is. And God's word is what tells us what is good and right and true. That's where we find the standard. And so the question would be, how has your time in the word been this week? I'm not talking about like frequency. I'm not talking about how often did you open and read it, but how was your time in the word? And a really good good question. If someone were to ask you, maybe even at the end of the service today, hey, how how was your week? And what did God teach you through his word this week? What would your answer be? It's a really good question. We must be in his word. And the third response is to recognize our lack of goodness when we see his goodness and recognize that the truth that Jesus said to the rich young ruler in Mark 10, only God is good. So apart from God, like all the other aspects of the fruit of the spirit we've already looked at, we can't cultivate goodness apart from God. Romans 3, 10 to 12 says that none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. It's interesting. No one seeks for God, and God is good. So the rich young ruler was not seeking God. The rich young ruler was seeking eternal life. That was the question that he asked. And what Jesus did is he, he exposed he wasn't actually seeking God. He wanted a good life, but not the true goodness of God. And so what Jesus does is he, he directs our focus to actually look at God as the standard for the good life, which is the true good life. It is eternal life. That's the answer to the man's question. You see, in order to inherit eternal life or that good life, you need to live out the good life according to God's standard of goodness. And so an appropriate response then, as we've mentioned through each of the aspects of the, of the fruit of the Spirit, is that cultivating the fruit of the Spirit isn't something we can do on our own. It's an act of God in his grace and mercy. And so if we don't have goodness in and of ourselves, we need to go to him to get it and be filled with his goodness. And this brings us to our second action. In order to cultivate goodness in our lives, we must come to the cross for the filling of goodness. Come to the cross for the filling of goodness. Come to the cross because Jesus' work on the cross produces and leads to goodness in the lives of his people. This is the story of redemption, isn't it? The the good plan of God to reconcile sinful people back to himself, to save sinners and fill them with his goodness so they might find joy in him and shine his goodness and glory. So we, we come to the cross because the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation to be created new and filled with his goodness. And we see the result of this in Romans Chapter 15, verse 14. This is when Paul commends the church in Rome, and he says this. 
I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Now, he's not saying that the Roman Christians were, were perfect here, but what he's saying is that the fruit of goodness was evident. He, he's saying, I see that the goodness is coming from a heart that's been impacted by the gospel, that's been impacted by the cross of Jesus Christ. I see evidence of something that's happened inside of you, and I can see and say that you are filled with goodness. And they're filled with all knowledge, meaning they understand the gospel. They understand the truth. And so, because they understand it and they know it, they're then able to help others know the truth as well. That's a good thing. And this comes from having the good word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, good, beneficial, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So Paul looks at the Roman Christians and says, I know that God's goodness is in you and you have everything you need for good works. And, and in light of our first point, how is that possible? How, how do people who are not good and do not seek God, how do they become filled by God with God's goodness? The answer is through the gospel. It's because of the cross. God's word says it, it, it's a gift by grace through faith. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That great display of God's goodness toward us. The place where Jesus died, taking the punishment we deserve for our sins, the ultimate act of selflessness for the ultimate good of his people, the ultimate good of sinners of not good people. The cross is the place where we are made new. The cross is the place where we are made clean by his blood. It's the place where a heart of stone is removed and replaced with a heart of flesh that is actually capable of receiving and being filled with the goodness of God. And, and the cross then is the place that we return to again and again to be cleansed of our sin. Because if we're going to cultivate goodness in our lives, we have to have a heart that is filled with goodness because only a good heart produces good. Luke 6, 45, Jesus says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance, the fullness of his heart, the mouth speaks. And so what we see here is that what's in our heart determines what comes out. It determines the fruit that we produce. Meaning if our heart has been filled with goodness, then goodness comes out. And so what does it mean for your heart then to be filled with goodness? Well, it starts with being given a new heart, a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. And it continues by the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification to clean and conform our heart to the life and the fullness of Jesus Christ. And so it means, having a heart full of goodness means that God's Spirit is inside of us. And it means to have a, a clean heart that is free from sin. It, it means putting off the old self, putting on the new self. It means replacing 
that the pursuits of the things of this world, replacing the junk inside with a joyful pursuit of God and his goodness. It means to have a heart that is fully devoted to the pursuit of him and conformed to his standard of goodness. It means, biblically, Philippians 4.8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Fill up on these things. And, and it means getting rid of and, and putting off and getting cleaned of whatever is not good. And we see this right before the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, don't we? Galatians 5, uh, 19 to 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. These are the not good things. We replace the badness with the goodness. And so there's a question here that requires some uh, self-reflection. And the question is pretty simple. What is filling your heart today? See, goodness anchors us to the standard of God and God's word. So is your heart filled with all that is good and right and true according to the standard of God's word and his goodness? Like when, when you look at your thoughts and your words and your actions, do they reflect a heart that's full of goodness or a heart that has been filled with the things of this world? A heart that's been filled with the world's entertainment, a heart that's been filled with the world's teaching, the world's attitudes, the, the world's hopeless pursuits, the world's stain of sin. Is that what is in your heart? James, uh, the book of James tells us that God's word is like a mirror to us. When, when we hold it up, we're able to compare our lives to the standard of God's word. And so when, when we hold it up, the reality is we realize pretty quickly that we are constantly, even with a new heart, we are constantly in need of God to be at work in our hearts to help us see and clean out what is not good. And so that means that we need to constantly be returning to the cross and constantly asking God to clean our hearts from sin again. Not, be, not because we need to be saved again, but because we are saved if you're a child of God, we are saved and we desire the Holy Spirit to make us perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We want all of his goodness and so we want to be cleaned and we want to be filled and we only want the goodness inside. That's why we go back to the cross. So let's reflect and consider in, in your life what things are filling up your heart right now that need to be removed so they can be filled with God's goodness instead? What, what is in your heart that is impeding you from cultivating goodness and showing God's good works? Whatever that is, bring that to the cross. Acknowledge that as sin. Acknowledge it as not goodness. Acknowledge it before God. Confess it and allow the blood of Jesus Christ to wash you of your sins. And do that with confidence. 1 John 1.9 if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we do this again and again and again. And, and for you, maybe you're sitting here and this is actually the first time. Maybe you're like recognizing right now, no, my, my heart is not full of good. 
It is full of all the opposite of good. It is full of badness. And maybe you're recognizing, I actually need a new heart. I I want the heart that has the capacity to receive and be filled with God's goodness. That's what I want. Bring your sin to the cross. Confess your sin, submit to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and he will, and he will be good to do this. In good justice, he will forgive you of your sin and clean you from all unrighteousness because Jesus paid the penalty for you already. And so we ask God, fill us with your spirit again because we know that out of a good heart comes good works. And God has prepared good works for us. Did you know that? Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created with a new heart, created in Christ Jesus for good works, designed for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Have you ever thought about that? God has prepared good works in advance for you to walk in. Like you, if you are a child of God, have a job to do. In fact, if you're not a child of God, you have a job to do. It is to walk in his good works. And so what that means, that means like this afternoon, God has prepared good works for you. Tomorrow, God has prepared good works for you. This week, God has prepared good works. He's actually designed things for you to do, for things for you to perform, and gives you the power as an overflow of his goodness inside of you for his glory. This is awesome. And there's a really good reason. So his goodness can be magnified and fill the whole world. So, so we, we look first to the standard of goodness, and then we come to the cross to be filled with his goodness again and again, and then we're called to walk in the world with the light of goodness. Walk in the world with the light of goodness. As we've already considered this morning, God's very essence is good and only good. 1 John 1.5 says uh, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So in, in other words, his goodness is the complete absence of badness. And not only that, his goodness is the complete opposite of badness. And so what that means for us is if we are filled with his goodness, we are therefore filled with the complete opposite of badness. Badness being dark, goodness being light, we are the complete opposite if we are filled with his goodness. And maybe you know where I'm going with this. You probably don't. Just get ready. If we are filled with God's goodness and good works and goodness is what comes out of our good-filled hearts, then we will stand out. Sparks for Jesus. And there's like four people that know what that is. Is Awana even a thing anymore? We're sparks for Jesus, sparks to light the world. We will shine for Jesus as we tell each boy and girl. All right, that's fine. See, no one knew where I was going. That's all right. The, the, the point is, if we are conformed to the exact opposite of darkness and we are light, we will stand out like a bright light shining in the darkness. And so listen to this from Ephesians 5. This is verses 8 and 9. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And catch this in verse 9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and right. 
and true. Goodness, all that is good and right and true. Goodness, it's a light to the world that radiates the character of God. It's, It's a light that shows what is good and shows what is right and shows what is true and it exposes the things that are not good and right and true. And because of the cross, Ephesians 5, 8, 9 says, we are, we are now light. Not we have light, we are now light. We've been given new life and we're to be filled with his goodness with a purpose of shining in the world and displaying all that is good and right and true. And we do this through the good works that are poured out of the goodness in our hearts. Our hearts are filled with all that is good and right and true then how we speak, how we think, how we behave, how we act, the way we interact with others, all of it will display and promote and build up others toward what is good and right and true. And we do this for the glory of God. We we do this for the expansion of all that is good and right and true, even into the darkest places because the goodness of God triumphs over evil no matter how hard it gets. 1 Peter 2.12, Peter writes, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So our, our good deeds, our, our, our good works flowing out of a heart filled with his goodness, they radiate as light in the dark world so that we stand out and point anyone and everyone to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And so I, I just want you to imagine for, for a moment like the world being this like raging sea of darkness. It's not really hard when we like look at the news and walk out in, in public, this raging sea of darkness, just people everywhere walking in darkness. They're like ships being tossed to and fro by the wind and the waves, people searching for answers, people looking for hope, people being completely unable to find truth or hope because they are in darkness and they are darkness. But then, like, you, you look out over the waves, you look out through the, the clouds and, and the rain, and you see this, like, glimmer of light. There's a lighthouse. And the lighthouse says, this is the way. I mean, lighthouses are good. Uh, I didn't actually know this. I feel kind of dumb when I studied. Lighthouses serve two purposes. So the, the one that is probably most common is their navigation markers to show you where, like, land is. So, you know, you see the, the lighthouse, that's where land is. It helps you navigate. But I didn't click into this, and it was kind of neat. Um, a lighthouse also shines light on dangerous waters. It, it's, it's a warning. So the light can expose the dangerous rocks so that the ships can steer clear of danger. It's part of the navigational purposes of a lighthouse. And isn't this what God and his word does? Like his, his glory and his, his goodness shine forth, and they attract them to us. They, they tell us which way is, is the way, but it also... Not only does it expose what is good and right and true, but it exposes the dangers of the things that are not good and right and true. And so we, as children of light then, have the privilege to shine the light of goodness in this dark and stormy, raging waters world. And we get the opportunity to expose the dangers of evil. Where? Scripture is very clear 
everywhere, wherever we are. At work, at school, at home, in the church, wherever we are, wherever we go, we want others to see our good deeds and give glory to God. So at work, we ought to use our vocation for good. Our careers ought to be bringing the light of goodness into the world, shining goodness. Are you shining goodness in your work? Does your work promote what is good and right and true? Are you serving others in your work? How about your attitude while you're at work? Does it display the goodness of God? How about your conduct? Does it align with the standard of goodness according to God's word? How about the words that are coming out of your mouth? Do you speak the truth? Do you share the good news of the goodness of God? Or at school, even when you're considering your future career, are you considering a career where you can bring light into a dark world? Are you considering how your career in the future will be able to promote what is good and right and true? And when you are studying or engaging with your fellow students, is your conduct, your words and your actions, are they honorable? Do you stand for what is good and right and true? And for the moms at home, that's your vacation. Vo- va- vacation. Vocation. Oh, man, it is a vocation, not a vacation. That is true. (laughs) That is your work, isn't it? The way that you care for your home, the way you care for your family, if you're a homeschool mom, the way you organize all the homeschool stuff. And the question is, is your time at home, your vocational time at home, is it radiating with God's goodness? And sticking in the home, moms and and dads in in this room, how are you displaying God's goodness in your home? You, You are called to be that beacon of light in your home and show the way. You're called to expose dangers in your home, in the lives of your children. And God's goodness is displayed when you provide for your children. It's displayed when you listen to your children, when you take an interest in your children. God's goodness is shown when you discipline your children. It's good to discipline your children. It's good to speak the truth to your children. It's good to teach your children the way. So is your home, is it filled with the light of goodness? Are you shining that light of this is the way that is good and right and true? And kids in here, children, students, You're not off the hook. In your home, what good deeds and good works has God prepared for you in your home? Is the light inside? Are you a child of light? How are you shining in your home? Are you serving in your home? Are you sharing in your home? Are you giving of yourself in your home? Are you listening in your home? Are you obeying in your home? Are you honoring your father and mother in your home? Are you emanating the goodness that you've been filled with? And in the church, Galatians 6.10, so then as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of faith. So how is the light of goodness shining here? Are you serving here? Are you generous here? Are you using your gifts here? Are good deeds evidencing the transformed life and, and the fullness of the goodness of God? Does the goodness of God shine in your small group? Does it shine in the ministry that you are serving in? 
Are, are you and your good deeds pointing those around you to the truth of God's word, to the goodness of his character, and to the dangers of evil? And I do have to say, when I like, look out at this church, I am very encouraged. All over the place, I would say the answer is yes. Filled with goodness, and I see so many serving faithfully and pointing to the truth, shining the, the light of, of goodness. I, I mean, I, I think specifically about like kids' ministry and youth ministry, uh, in particular, how we just like ought to be, and in most cases, we, I shouldn't say most cases, in general, we all are, this is very good, just like these little lighthouses all through kids' ministry and all through youth, youth saying, this is the way, come, come this way, let me show you what is good and right and true, don't go that way, there's danger that way, let me, let me shine and show you the, the way, let me be the, the beacon of light, are, are you doing that? And I think you are, be encouraged by that and do it more. But it's not just kids and, and youth, it's Fellowship, it's the way that we greet at the front door. It's doing just life together. It's at Ice Cream Sunday. You can be filled with goodness right now and let that shine this afternoon. Like what good works has God prepared for you during Ice Cream Sunday after? Here's the the, the point, everywhere we go, Everything we do, we're called to walk as children of light and shine God's goodness. And so I want to close with this. As we are filled with God's goodness and shine his goodness in the world, uh, what we're doing is we're actually properly and truly bearing the image of God. You can turn to 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12. 2 Thessalonians 1. Second Thessalonians 1, starting in verse 11, says this. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve or every intention or every desire, every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that... In verse 12, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And and to walk us through, I love what uh, the commentator John John Stott writes about this passage. He says, that is, when by God's power, God's people live a life worthy of his call, and when their resolve issues in goodness and their faith in works, then Jesus himself is seen and honored in them. And they, through union with him, are seen in their true humanness as the image of God. It is a breathtaking concept that even now, before the end, this double glorification can take place, though only according to God's grace. A a double glorification. That the name of the Lord Jesus glorified in you and you glorified in him. Like to, to cultivate goodness in our lives is to cultivate a life that bears and displays the life that we were designed to live. 
A life that is just filled with the goodness of God and overflows in good works that display his character and his glory. Everything that is good and right and true is to come out. That's how we were designed. And so how do we do it? It starts by looking to the Lord as the standard of goodness, and we find this through time spent in his word, and recognizing that God and only God is good, and so we come to the cross in repentance over and over again, asking God, please, by your grace and Holy Spirit, finish the work, fill me with your goodness again and again and again, and then we go out into all the world, and as Romans 15, 14 says, we go out into all the world full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. That that, that means shining the light of goodness, shining it it out, and being able to say, instruct one another, being able to say, here, come, come see the way, come see the, 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 the truth, and come see the good life. Let's pray. God, you, I don't know any other response other than you are good. And we, we thank you so much for your word that reveals your goodness to us and the recognition that your greatness is unsearchable and we are yet only scratching the surface of how good you are. God, I, I, I thank you for your goodness in creation. I thank you for your goodness and how you provide. I thank you for your goodness in how you relate to your people. I thank you for your goodness in sending your son to die on the cross for my sin, all of it. God, I thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ that we get to put on display in our church, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, light into the darkness that shows the way the truth and the life, all that is good and right and true. And I ask by your spirit that we'd be able to do it. And I ask even right now that as we sing this final song and reflect on your goodness, that we would all be shining and radiating and reflecting your goodness for your glory and our good. And that when we go out for ice cream Sunday, it would just be a full radiance and display of how good you are. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.